Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. Pinky Cole has always known that she would lead an extraordinary life. As a girl growing up in East Baltimore, she wasn't sure what form that would take, but when her friends were outside playing, she was setting goals for herself, like earn my first million by age 30, which she did. Next goal, a billion by 40, and she's got time. The restaurateur and philanthropist joined a communal table from her secondary office in Atlanta, aka her car, to talk about the extraordinary growth of her slutty vegan empire, learning from mistakes, taking care of her inside customers, as she calls them, and how she is empowering generations of color to build wealth and pursue their dreams. Pinky, thank you so much for making time in what has to be an incredibly busy day to join us. Thank you for having me. I'm just so happy to just be chatting with you. Oh my gosh. Can you tell me about where you are right now? I am literally in my secondary office and it's called my vehicle. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I I just finished a tasting. Um, As I prepare to scale my business, I am now streamlining a lot of our processes so that when we move into other states, we literally will have the same consistency and flavor, which is very important for me and for, for anybody who wants to scale a business. So it's a very exciting time for me because I get to taste food all day long. Um, and, you know, I'm just excited. <laughs> and I feel super greedy because I, anywhere you spread out to, I want to be there. I, uh, You are from two different cities that I hold very dear, both Baltimore and Atlanta. And all my friends in Atlanta, like every, I used to work at CNN and everybody all the time was, have you heard about Slutty Vegan? (laughs) Awesome. Yes. So let's talk about, oh gosh, a million things. Because I really, the people who listen to this podcast, I think a lot of them are chefs, aspiring chefs, owner operators, all of that. And you have managed to do something that I think everybody has in the back of their minds that they want to do. How do I make this bigger? How do I make people fall in love with with both the product and the experience? And I want to talk about how you got to that. So if you could give folks just a little notion of, it feels like you, I've been reading up on you. You've been an entrepreneur your whole life. Yes, I have. I've been an entrepreneur for a very, very long time. And I feel like I jumped into this journey when I came out the womb, right? (laughs) And, and, and I was living through my father's vision. And unfortunately, after him spending 22 years in prison, I realized that like, these are my father's dreams realized Mm -hmm. coupled with my mother's. So I've always been confident in myself. I've always been a go-getter. I've always been the person that if I'm walking in a room, you're going to feel me, you're going <laughs> to smell me, and you're going to taste my energy. And all of those things really transitioned over to what you see and feel when you go to Slutty Vegan. It's the energy. It's the experience that you get. And I, and I'm, and I put a big emphasis on that because when people come to Slutty Vegan, they just want to feel good. And I believe that I've mastered the art of making people feel good um, with being authentically myself. So for the entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast, it's very necessary to be authentically yourself and be in alignment with the things that you're serving to the consumer, right? People love Slutty Vegan because they love me. They love how I show up in the world, how I'm talking to you is how I talk to everybody, right? And if you walk in that, and, 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 and it translates into your business, then it's real, it's raw, it's authentic, and people love authenticity. And, and that is literally a lot of the secret formula that helps Slutty Vegan to be successful. So, you know, I think somebody can grab something from that. Yeah, it sounds like you have just always known who you are and and what you wanted. Like, what are some of the first times when you know you realize this is actually also something that could make you money? Um, you know what's crazy? And I was just saying this this morning. I didn't start Slutty Vegan to make money, right? Mm-hmm. I knew that money was going to come but I've always been a magnet to money. Hell, I was 14 (laughs) years old making money, right? So like 
I've never had an issue. The universe has always just been so good to me that I've never had an issue getting money because I was always motivated to capture opportunities. And as a result of capturing really good opportunities, money always came to me. So the vision behind Slutty Vegan and all the other things that I've done it, money wasn't the first intention. The intention was to create an experience that people would fall in love with and, and that they would know and remember. And then as a result of that, the fruits of my labor will yield money. So even now, it's funny because people are like, oh, when people see me now, it's so humbling because some people cry. They're like, oh my goodness, can I take a picture? Like, oh, you're a celebrity. And I don't see myself that way. I just see myself as somebody who created something that was really cool, that they got bigger than life. Uh, with a concept and that continues to grow, but I'm just being myself. And then the money is just the perk that comes with it. But what feels better to me is making sure that people feel good when they come into my place of business. And I'll tell you right now, people could use as much good feeling as they possibly can, because absolutely, as a restaurateur, having to uh, whether all of the changes and all of the, you know, the, the desperation that so many people are feeling through um, COVID restrictions and, and COVID fear and, and all of that. Uh, and especially you're operating out of a, a state in, in, in Georgia that has been, you know, very much under scrutiny and things. Can you talk about your, your, you know, what you've had to readjust during this? Because you, you, I, I want people to know about what the experience is what the experience is in a slutty vegan and then how you have to adapt when maybe people can't see your face and get that big smile and get all of that. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I like to consider myself a professional readjuster. Uh, <laughs> even before COVID, I yeah. think what makes a really good entrepreneur is that you're always in the business of readjusting, right? You always have to pivot. You always have to find ways of making things be better. And, and that is what business is, right? Finding solutions to problems. So when, when a problem came into place, such as COVID-19, it's like, okay, all right, how do I approach COVID-19 like I approach any other problem? What do I do? I find solutions. I learn how to pivot. I find ways to make it comfortable for me and the people around me so that we can continue to do business as normal. So when COVID first happened, actually, it's funny because it was last year, March, when I mm -hmm. first started hearing about COVID. And I'm like, what in the world is a COVID? Like, I <laughs> So I'm, I'm watching the news and, and the governor is saying uh, you can stay outside. The mayor was saying, no, don't go outside. And I'm like, okay. So, all right, as a socially responsible entrepreneur, what do I do? So in that moment, obviously it was very confusing because I'm human first, right? And I am the leader of a pack of, at the time, 85 people. So I'm like, okay, all right, I got some hard decisions to make. Do I keep my business open or do I stop down and reassess what's going on? So I think that that probably was the toughest thing that I've had to do through the pandemic. And what I did is I closed for two weeks and I really just took a hard reset and really just took the time to understand my operation better. I took the time to understand like how COVID can affect my internal customer and my external customer. And then I said, okay, all right, what's the game plan? It was almost like football and plays. So what does it mean, internal customer and external customer? So the internal customer is my employee, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and they're just as important as the external customer, which is the person that patronizes the business, right? Because both offers something that, that, are, that are both valuable to the business. The internal customer is what's going to keep the lights on and make sure that the bills get paid. And the external customer is going to keep the lights on and make sure that the bills get paid, right? So they're, they're just as valuable to each other. So just making sure that the internal customer felt just as safe as the external customer was very necessary to me. And I got the opportunity to really dissect that through the two weeks that I closed because of the pandemic. But when I reopened up my business, when I tell you my business increased so much, I've been able to open up three locations oh in goodness. the middle of a pandemic. That's that, unheard of. That is no, that is absolutely phenomenal. Like I've heard of people maybe doing, you know, one or, or something, but you, and I know you just opened a bar yeah, I, I just opened up a I'm bar. I'm so psyched for that. I love the Crocsie Market. And Thank so you. Yeah, so so the, so what it is is what I realize again is oftentimes entrepreneurs have to know how to like maintain that thick skin and not fold when things get tough. 
And what I, what I did was I just, excuse me, what I did was I just remained consistent. I ramped up my marketing. I ramped up the experience. Obviously philanthropy is at the core of who we are. So I continue to do my philanthropic work. So opening the businesses didn't feel like uncomfortability. It felt like, okay, this is an opportunity to, to reapproach this business and start anew. And I did that. Literally, I opened up these businesses and lines were down the block, still down the block. Just last week to the date, I opened up Bar Vegan and Dinkies, which is a vegan bar uh, concept with the vegan food program. And it just feels good to know that I have not skipped a beat. Rather, I've been able to be a blessing to other people and help other businesses while my business continues to grow. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, how do you, during this, when you're talking about the internal customer and taking care of, of, of them, I want to talk a little bit about how that actually gets messaged to them, because also I know that you're, you're dealing with a population who, you know, is you know, sort of extra at risk and not taken care of during COVID in a community that had been horribly neglected during COVID and not getting the care that, you know, a lot of other populations were, were getting. And there's, there's terror around this. There's absolute fear for people's own safety. I'm sure people have lost people. How do you, how do you message this to your employees so they feel, you know, safe and good and, and motivated and all that? What does that look like day to day? Well, first of all, I don't, I don't treat my employees as employees. Yeah. We're a family here at Slutty Vegan, and we convey that across the board, right, internally and externally. So that's the first thing. And 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 I always communicate to them, like, if you're working at Slutty Vegan for a paycheck, this is not the place for you because yeah. you're a part of a village that helps to build an empire. So I think that that alone sets the tone that, okay, my superior does not look at me as just uh, a check. She actually values me. She looks at me as somebody that is, is necessary to be able to grow this company. And I think that that gives them some, some level of comfort so they know that, okay, all right, this is just not a cheeseburger and fry joint where I just get a paycheck. That's the first thing. Secondly, um, for, for, for in the pandemic, for example, we make sure that if somebody is feeling sick, we will sponsor um, their, their testing. If somebody doesn't feel good, if somebody is having a funeral, we've had some people who had some family members pass away. We sponsor it. We support it. What do you need that we can support you because you always support us? And I think that when you build that relationship in business, people will, one, become more loyal to you and they'll, they'll be down for the cause, right, to grow. And then lastly, we promote our employees from within. So, you know, oftentimes a lot of businesses, they just uh, hire out like for everything. We don't do that. So if you have a talent that will excel in a different department and you want to move to a different de department and you grow, you, you're more than willing to do that. We believe in raising leaders. And I think that people feel like they see a future at Slutty Vegan and it makes them feel comfortable knowing that. And then lastly, that, that was the last, but this is like the real last. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at our social media and our marketing, we really highlight our employees in everything we do. We put employee of the month on our social media pages, which obviously we have more than half a million um, a following on our social media pages. If they have a talent in the company, they get to showcase it online and through our social media. And our, our customers actually know a lot of our employees by name. So that just tells you that they've been able to build their own relationships with employees based on what they see online and based on how they interact with them when they get to the restaurant. So our employees feel so valued on every single level that they feel invested in the business and they want to continue to grow with us despite everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I have to say, you know, asking those questions, because I am a person who lost a parent to COVID and the way that my company responded and that my colleagues responded was so beautiful and got me through in ways that, you know, I'm still unpacking. They sent me a giant box of vegetables so I didn't have to worry about feeding myself. And just wow. having, having that care present, like you can't buy that, you, you know, no amount of money is going to, you know, replace you know, colleagues who, you know, genuinely give a crap about your well-being on every single level. And that is such a huge thing. And because it feels like you've been around, or, you know, Slutty Vegan's been around for a, a long time. It's, you came up with it in 2018, right? Yeah. 2018. <laughs> okay. And I imagine that you have people who have been with you since like the truck days, since early yes. on. <laughs> so how yeah. many people did you start out with? 
I started with me, myself, and I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, that's kind of all you need. Just like this little bit of talking to you, I'm like, yeah, you can do it all by yourself. You can cook. Yeah. You can like do all the things. <laughs> but everybody. I realized, I realized very quickly that I couldn't do it all by myself. So while I started with just me, um, I grew my team, and I had like a solid uh, five, and then it grew to ten. So currently, right now, it's been almost three years. I still have about. 10 of the original employees that started with me, which is actually pretty impressive That's for the restaurant huge. industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unheard, actually kind of unheard of. It is very unheard of. My, my actual, my oldest employee is still with me. She started, her name is Angel. She started as an intern and now she's the business manager for the company. So like, I'm really serious about promoting people within who really go hard for me. Um, and as much as they want to see me win, I want to see them win too. So like, if, if, if you if you make the sacrifices, like I've made the sacrifices in my business, I'll always take care of you. And I, that's what I've been doing. So my people love me, like they're, they're family at this point. Oh my gosh. Like, and this is not your first rodeo either. Cause I, you had a restaurant in New York. Yes, I did. Yeah. It was it was called Pinky's Jamaican and American Restaurant. And you know what's interesting? I tell people this all the time. Like, I wouldn't be where I am today with Slutty Vegan. And obviously, I still have so, so much more to do, right? Mm -hmm. But I needed to open up a restaurant before Slutty Vegan, right? That was the prefix for me doing all of these great things. I, I had this Jamaican restaurant. I was vegetarian, the term vegan. And I was selling oxtail and jerk chicken, but it wasn't in alignment with who I was, but I needed to do the wrong thing for a while so mm -hmm. that I could realize what the right thing felt like. So when I lost that restaurant to a grease fire, <sighs> literally my life was in shambles, but it really wasn't shambles. That was just the universe, just like rearranging some stuff. It was like a puzzle, rearranging some stuff for me. And that was the best thing that could have ever happened because literally that lesson you can't pay for. You can't buy that in school. You can't go get your MBA and learn that. Like you got to feel that and endure that pain and that hardship, uh, those financial woes. You really got to go through that. And I went through that. So now when I have Slutty Vegan, I take all of those lessons that I learned and I'm like, okay, all right, I need to pay my sales and use taxes because they will garnish my wages. Okay, all right, boom. I need to make sure that I have fire insurance or I will lose everything and not get any money. For but all of those things that I learned really only helped me to be a better entrepreneur. So I'm just so happy for that journey and just everything that I've gone through in my life to get me to this point, because it's really all a part of the process. You know, I was reading that in an interview with you and I just pictured you, it's like bursting like a, like a Phoenix from the flames, like, <laughs> like after that it. and re and, you know, and, and recreating yourself. And you had, okay. I love that you work from, you work for Mari Povich. I, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So you had a whole other life. And I you're still did. so you're still so young, and you but you you know you you had a whole other life before you came to this, and and from what I gather, please correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but you funded all of this with money from these other jobs that you've been doing. Is that correct? I, I did. So it's funny because I, I I I like to say I already had my dream job before Slutty began. So can you imagine having your dream job twice? Like I've, I've literally, I, I went to college. Obviously I didn't have an internship. I just, I had really good relationships, which for the people that are listening, it's so necessary to foster really good relationships because it's not always what you know, it's who you know and who you're connected to. So because I was connected to the right people, um, I was able to get a career in TV that afforded me my, my loud mouth, the opportunity to move up really fast. Um, and while working in TV, um, I started working for a whole bunch of different shows. And one of those shows specifically was the Maury Povich show, which was one of the that. most memorable. <laughs> Shout out to Maury. Um, but, but I learned so much there. And I saved up my 401k. And I, I got a loan from a family friend. And I, I did the impossible, something that I've never done before. And I didn't know what I was doing. But TV really helped me too, right? Because it uh, it showed me what people think about all the time, what they want to see, what they don't want to see, what makes them tick, um, what, what, what keeps them in tune with you. And I, I've been able to apply that to my business working in TV. So, you know, it, it was a joy to work in TV. I'm actually jumping back into TV, but oh. now I get to infuse Slutty Vegan um, and all things TV that I'm doing. So I get to really live out my dreams twice again. And that's the best feeling in the world. Oh my gosh. So, like, are you able to talk about what the TV thing is? 
So there is a um, there's a, a big network uh, that has just recently decided that they want to move forward with a TV show with me. Um, so that that's all like the the big details that I can give right now. But it's definitely about my life and entrepreneurship and all the great things that I'm doing. And and you get the highs and lows, right? So I've been always very transparent about who I am as an entrepreneur, as an individual. I always say, I don't always get it right, right? I don't necessarily make all the best decisions. I make the decisions that feel right to me, but I want people to know transparently what it really looks like on a day-to-day to be an entrepreneur of a multi-million dollar company. And you'll get to see a piece of that on the show. And I'm excited about that because I'm a producer at heart, right? So I know how to put things together. So not only will I be in front of the camera, I'll also be behind the camera like, nope, I don't like that. Yes, I like that. So yeah, so stay tuned for that, Kat. <laughs> I actually had written down, like, why has there not been a movie about her yet? A movie, Netflix series, like what, whatever coming. it is. Because, you know, I was, I was reading up on you and I'm, you know, and I'm picturing you like little girl in Baltimore, a city for which I have so tremendously much love. And when you were growing up there, did you see opportunities? Did you see, like, what did you see around you that made you think like, like, was, was restaurant in your head at that point? No, it was, I don't want to struggle all my life. My mother works too hard. <laughs> That's really what it was. Like my mother is working too hard for a job that she's not getting paid enough uh, working at. My father is in prison. I'm like, this is not my life. I wasn't born to be average. And when you had that mindset that you're not born to be average, you're going to do mm-hmm. whatever is necessary to go above and beyond to change uh, the, your, the dichotomy of your situation, right? Like, so I would sell candy, I would sell frozen cups, I would sell, I would do hair, I, I would buy McChickens from McDonald's and I would sell them for $2 in the cafeteria, but I just knew that I wasn't regular and whatever that means, right? Like, I just knew that I wasn't ordinary. I knew that I had an extraordinary flair to me and there are people in the world who just have that it factor. And I was confident that I was one of those people and I knew that I was put on this earth to do something big. So I didn't have to... Uh, go out and see the opportunities. I felt them. I created them because I knew that I wanted to be so much bigger than life that I didn't give up at, at, at when, when it came to mediocrity. Like I always knew I was above and beyond cat. Like even my friends, like my friends wanted to play outside. They wanted to hang out. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to build. Like when I was in the house of my grandmother, she's watching golden girls. I'm envisioning my life. I'm like, I'm going to be on TV one day. Like I'm thinking of those things. And that's why the power of the tongue is so real, Kat, because like when you think about the things that come out of your mouth, those things really manifest good, bad, or indifferent. And I just remember as a little girl, people always say, what you want to be when you grow up? Well, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be big. And obviously I didn't really know what that meant, but those were the things that I was manifesting. So here I am full circle. I have one of the hottest concepts in the country. I'm continuing to grow. I get to use my platform to help people. And I'm speaking to people. I just signed a deal with Simon & Schuster. I'm working oh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I'm working on um, uh, some, some, some other great opportunities. I've, I've been in all the, the biggest publications that you can think of. And I'm like, wow, this is the little six-year-old girl that said that she was going to be bigger than life. And those opportunities, I felt them. And because I felt them, I made them so. They say, right, the vision made it, make it plain. And I did just that. And here we are. I always say that some people just burn a little bit brighter than other people. Yeah. And and people flock around them because they want to be in the glow of that. And did you have people around you who were saying like, yes, of course, of course, this is what your life is going to be? Yeah, I, I obviously had those people. But, you know, it's funny. Um, all the people who would laugh at me, there was always, oh, Pinky. How dare crazy. they? How yeah, dare they? They, <laughs> they, would, they would laugh, not laugh because they didn't think that I could do it. They laughed because my dreams were so big that it scared them. And sometimes when you dream so big and it scares other people, that means that you're dreaming the right things because I've never dreamed regular, right? All of, all of my dreams, I said that I was going to make my first million at 30 years old. And I did that. I said, I'm going to make my first billion uh, when I turn 40 and I'm going to do that. And it has nothing to do with money. It's that I set a metric and, I, and a goal for myself because I'm insistent on wanting to be better in my life so that I can be the example for, for little young girls, for little young black girls, for little young entrepreneurs, for little young people who don't fit society's stereotypes. 
I want to be that for all people, whether you whether you're black, you're white, you're blue, you're yellow, it doesn't matter. But for me to be able to be a positive representation, I've always been consistent with that. So so now it just feels good to get to walk in that. Like that feels really, really good. Well, and the fact that you seem to want to cast that around you too. Um, and I want to talk about your foundation because I think it's so incredibly important because you are the living example of, you know, the fact that, you know, you absolutely can do this. You can set a giant goal and and you can get there and you can bring people along with you. But, you know, as we know in society, like not everybody is, is given that equal footing and, you know, right on the front of your website, it talks about uh, building generational wealth for, I think I'm trying to remember if it says specifically for young black girls, but it's, you know, t- can you talk to me about the importance of that? Absolutely. So I, I remember my mother is Jamaican, right? Um, and wealth to me is more than just money right? Wealth is how you show up in the world, the impact that you make on other people. And I realized how much of an impact that my mother made growing up. She was helping everybody. Like she would take the shirt off her back to make sure that people were good, right? We would make sacrifices for ourselves and we we would miss out on Christmas so that other people who were less fortunate than us would have what they needed while we had hand-me-downs and like necessities, like basic necessities. So while I was young, I didn't understand it. But as I got older, I realized that I turned into my mother. So when I, <laughs> when, I, when I started my foundation, the Pinky Cole Foundation, I was really intentional about what I wanted to do, right? We talk a lot about generational wealth and specifically in the Black community. Back in the day, we, we've not, we, we haven't always had the resources or the information and access to those resources. So I said, how can I use my platform to inspire little girls little black girls, little young entrepreneurs around the world, that they can do anything that they want. And we can bridge that gap of generational wealth. And and that's spiritual wealth, that's mental wealth, it's emotional wealth, it's financial wealth. So through my foundation, I've done just that, right? I partner with the Department of Juvenile Justice to provide uh, juvenile ex-offenders jobs at Slutty Vegan to offer them a second chance. And I've donated $10,000 to the program as well. Um, uh, 30 college students that went to Clark Atlanta University, um, I paid the, their balances off so that they could graduate, so that they didn't have to worry about funding. Uh, local businesses in the area who um, were affected by COVID, I paid their rents through my foundation so that they didn't have to think about paying rent so that they can still operate their business. Um, Rashard Brooks, who, who was murdered at the Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta, Georgia, um, I made sure to, to partner with Clark Atlanta University to provide $600,000 worth of scholarships, life insurance, and um, a brand new car for his family and his children so that they had what they needed so that life didn't have to stop because their father wasn't physically present. Um, we, we, we've partnered with Impossible Foods and Jermaine Dupree um, to do a online voters registration drive, which I personally believe we helped to turn Georgia blue by I've... using our platform. Yes. <laughs> um, so so those, were, those are just some of the like laundry list of things that I've done so far through the foundation. And that is what brings me more joy than just burgers and fries, right? Like, I obviously love my business and I love to help people reimagine food, but the best feeling in the world is to know that like my life means something to other people because of how I can help other people. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And every restaurateur who I've been uh, talking with who is either starting a new business or sort of having to pivot their own, they are all talking about the importance of their restaurant within a community as more than just a place where people can go and get food, where it becomes, you know, a place where people can get a job, where people can gather, where people just have a hub of activity and it benefits the community in all kinds of different ways. And can we talk about how you pick like sort of when you are planning to open a new place, how you make a decision about where to put your restaurant? Oh, that's a great question. So again, I'm also very intentional about that. Um, So when I think about Slutty Vegan and what Slutty Vegan offers different communities, I'm very mission oriented by making sure that Slutty Vegan um, is specifically put in food deserts, vegan insecure areas and communities that aren't so attractive to big time developers, right? Communities that are right in the midst of gentrification. So we put a slutty vegan there and we get to revitalize a community that probably was once upon a time falling apart. And and doing that, 
we go in and we actually buy the building. So oh, we, wow. yeah, we get to raise the value of the community by coming to Slutty Vegan. So while revitalizing the community, it also helps local business owners in the area because we have lines. People come to Slutty Vegan and they stand in line. So if we put a Slutty Vegan in a community, then guess what? It'll raise the, the, the capacity of how many people go to the nearby businesses because while people are waiting, they want to shop. They want to sightsee, and they also want to eat while they're still waiting to slutty <laughs> vegan. Um, so it feels good to know that, like, w- our market research is so different, Kat. Like, we go on tour, and we go to different cities to, to test the market to see if slutty vegan will work, right? So I like to be so unconventional in everything that I'm doing. So when, when this is all said and done... I want to be able to show people that you don't necessarily have to go by the book. You can go by your gut and you can go by what your heart says and you can go by what you feel, what feels right. So everything that I do in Slutty Vegan, I really go by what feels right. So like in choosing those locations, I literally go. And if my spirit speaks to me and if I'm like, you know what, this feels good, I want it, then I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't feel right to me, then I don't do it. And I don't even have to look at like a number in the area. What is the marketplace doing? Because again, I didn't start Slutty Vegan to make money. Obviously, money is the plus. I did this because I, I really have a vision to show people that no matter where you are, no matter what you do, you can create something that's sustainable for all people and help people to reimagine food and revitalize the community at the same time. And there's such security also when when you mentioned buying the building, because I, I think so much about, you know, I, I wrote a book about anxiety a few years ago and delved pretty deeply into the physical aspects of anxiety. And I know that for me, it has it has such a phys- physical effect and it's just so deleterious to my entire health. If I'm worried about things and one of those things had always been money. And if I am stressed about money or rent or just, you know, the p- periods in my life when I've been worried about getting kicked out of my apartment, things like that, that is when I am sickest and that is when I cannot move forward. Right. And as people don't realize like owning a building for your restaurant is the key to longevity, I yes. feel like. <laughs> it, it, Absolutely is. You know why? Because God forbid something happens with slutty vegan. I own the dirt. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's my motto. I own the dirt and, and owning the dirt not only is going to provide a level of stability for me, it's going to provide a level of stability 30, 40 years from now when my children and my children's children grow up and they don't have to work as hard as I have because generational wealth has been in the family that's the whole mission right so Mm -hmm. we we see other races and cultures do we see other people do it so why can't we do it so i'm doing just that so so buying the property and obviously you know the way the economy is shifting eventually i I literally just bought a property for 1.4 million dollars which is our headquarters in the next three years that property could actually double and knowing that I'm always secure and I don't have to just rely on the income of slutty vegan and the fate of slutty vegan because I've gotten in the real estate game, which is, I'm sure my real estate people will like love this when they hear this piece, but it's so (laughs) necessary and it's so important. It's my husband's in real estate. So yeah, it is. And Hey, you know, prices are lower in New York city than they ever have been before. So please, please come to, (laughs) Oh, I'm sure you do. Like, so where actually, where exactly was your restaurant in Harlem and is that building available? Um, so they actually have a chicken restaurant there now. It was on 145th between 7th and 8th. And what an awesome story would that be if I could buy oh that God. building? I want that for you so bad. Wow, you just gave me an idea. I didn't even think about that. I'll give you my husband's number, Talk Real Estate. Oh, yes, please do. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, I love this. And I also want to talk about uh, veganism because I, I love how you put the message out into the world as this thing of tremendous joy because I know, and there are also super deep roots in, in black culture and veganism. And I feel like a lot of people have a perception of veganism as kind of like white girl wellness and it's kind of anything, but, and I want to talk about how you got to vegan and how you got to slutty vegan because I just love that so um my mother is actually vegetarian and so was my father so I grew up in a well I marinated in a vegetarian womb let's start there (laughs) (laughs) never tasted meat (laughs) never tasted meat but um I I, growing up I ate what my what my mother ate and all she ate was fish 
right? So I ate fish and my grandmother would sneak like chicken here and there and we would eat that. But like 90% of the time, I only ate fish like what my mother ate because I saw my mother and she was just everything. She never wore makeup. I've never seen her wear makeup. She never wore earrings doesn't shave very natural woman her hair touches the ground she's five seven like I so my mother has always my entire life been a very natural woman so when I grew up I realized and and going to college I went to college and I'm like I don't want to eat chicken I don't I don't want to do this so I decided in 2007 that I no longer wanted to eat any meat and I went full pescatarian so from 2007 up until the last seven years, um, I, I decided to go vegan seven years ago. But I say all that to say when I was pescatarian, when I became vegan, people looked at me like I was crazy. Here I am. Um, I'm this young black girl who, who's really conscious about the food that she consumes. And people were looking at me like, girl, you better eat this chicken. You don't eat pork. What's wrong with you? Right. Especially because I'm in the South and, mm-hmm. and, and traditional Southern cuisine has been the staple. So when people saw me, they thought that I was different. And this was obviously before veganism was cool. Cause like you said, for the longest people looked at veganism, like this rich white lifestyle when you got to have money to go vegan. Uh, but, but I realized you don't, right? Like you, you, you can live in the produce aisle and you can get viable options that really taste good. And that's what I started showing people. I started showing my friends and my family that listen, veganism doesn't have to be expensive. Like it, it could be, we just need access to it. So when you think about these urban low income communities, they would just never really get access to quality fruit, to quality food. Like they just had meat that was cheap. You get what, 20 wings for $4. What is that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so now I believe through Slutty Vegan, when I created it, I wanted to be able to give people options and I wanted to be able to give people access. And through that access, people can now just include vegan options in their menu. When we think about opening up a vegan restaurant in the heart of the South. Mm-hmm. That is like, a bold act. It's, it's very bold. And it's so bold. People weren't even doing, listen, there, there are amazing vegan restaurants in Atlanta. There are a few of my favorites, right? But big companies weren't thinking about adding vegan options to menus like the 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 big businesses the burger kings the mcdonald's the Ch- they they weren't thinking about that and and that's fine cuz they they've already had their niche but when i started slutty vegan i realized there were so many businesses that started including vegan options on the menu and i like to say that i kind of like jump started the trend uh maybe big businesses were were afraid to do it because they didn't think that it would do well but when i did it people realize that, okay, there's a marketplace for veganism and plant-based living. There's a world where people actually want to live better and be better, even if it starts at vegan comfort food. So I'm happy that I did it in the South because now it tells a whole different story because Black people are in the heart of the South. Black people are typically, and, and I know because I'm a Black woman and all of my friends and family specifically, they, they, they want savory food, food, food that tastes good, right? So when people think about veganism, it's like, oh, that don't taste good. It ain't got no flavor. You know, we like flavor. We are flavorful people and, and on many different levels. So to be able to create something in a place where cultural Southern cuisine has been the staple and the thing that, that brought Black culture together and create something vegan for people and people like it. It's, it's amazing. It's a story to tell. 97% of the people who come to my restaurant are meat eaters. They're not even vegan. So that should tell you something that tells you that, okay, what, despite whatever is going on in the economy, people are just ready to just live a, a healthy and better lifestyle. And I think Beyonce also helped us out too, because Beyonce is just amazing and she made it cool to be vegan. Oh my, she makes it cool to be anything. Yes, <laughs> oh my God. Well, cause I'm thinking about like the meals that I always love going to Atlanta and I was thinking I'd always make a beeline for Pascal's, but yeah. you know, there's, and it's such great food and I'd get the vegetable plate, like mostly and stuff, but, but some meat. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, if there was a vegan option at Pascal's, like, right. you know, that's such and, a- and I've never eaten at Pascal's because obviously I didn't even know that they had vegan options. Well, um, I don't, yeah, I'm not. Uh, and I think they probably do at this point, but I was, uh, you know, I, I was a vegetarian vegetarian for seven years and I always felt like an afterthought anywhere I went like oh you're you're the vegetarian at the barbecue so I guess we'll put some 
squash in some tinfoil for you or something. <laughs> just like something right. like that. And you never want to treat anybody like an afterthought. You, uh, you know, if I'm not vegetarian anymore, but if vegetarians come to my house or vegans come to my house, I go out of my way to make them feel like the most special guests. I mean, not right. like I'm entertaining people right now, but. <laughs> right, right, right. No, absolutely. You know, I, I am that person, even when I go to a restaurant now, I'm always talking to the chef. Like, if, if I'm patronizing a business, there should be options made available for me. So I'm like, can you bring the chef out, please? And the <laughs> chef always makes me a plate. So I can appreciate that, especially living in Atlanta. Yeah. And Atlanta is such a fantastic food uh, food city. I just, uh, I mean, the, the just range of options available. And especially if you go out on Buford Highway, it's, you can eat the world while you're in Atlanta. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and how are you feeling also about, like, do you get back to Baltimore much? I don't. And I actually said that I was going to go back this weekend, um, <laughs> but, but I don't because I'm such a worker bee and I got to do better. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I'm, I'm such a worker bee, but obviously a home is where the heart is and my heart belongs to Baltimore and Atlanta made me the woman I am professionally, but I wouldn't be that woman if I, I didn't get the life experiences in Baltimore, my my mother actually still lives there and a few of my immediate family members, but the bulk of my family actually live in Jamaica. Um, oh. So I get to go to Jamaica, which is cool. So what are they, uh, is there much veganism in Jamaica? Um, There is. And, and, and it's veganism and vegetarianism, because obviously there are a lot of Rastafarians that live in Jamaica. So they live a very clean lifestyle um, without salt. Um, so whenever I go to Jamaica, obviously there's tons of food. I can eat tons of fruits and vegetables, fresh organic fruits and vegetables. And to me, that is the ultimate way to live. I always said that by the time I turn 40, I'm going to be raw vegan. And that's how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Because I think that that's the closest thing to God. Why am I picturing like pinky coal farms <laughs> happening where you're like yes. taking it all the way down to to the soil to the to the growing of everything that goes into uh, everything you make yeah well that's the goal so again being intentional i said slutty vegan is just the first step to get people in the door it's it's vegan comfort food it's burgers and fried fries right but as i continue to build out these new concepts I want something for everybody. So I'm literally veganizing all the big restaurants that you see. So whether you're in the mood, you want to have a cheat day and you want to have burgers and fries, or if you want to have a vegan sandwich that's a, a lot healthier than that, or you want to have a salad with vegan grilled chicken, I am going to be that person that's going to create a space for all people who want really good vegan options. But Slutty Vegan was just that entry through the door and I'm so glad I did it this way because I get to meet people where they are so I know what they're thinking about what they like what they want to see and it allows me to be able to like reinvent myself every single day and create more options for people have you thought about going into politics <laughs> I'm a hood politician yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I know that that's that's so important you know it because it felt it feels like Everything you do with this intent is toward making the world a, a better place for for now and and for later. So, you know, it's interesting that you said that because a lot of people tell me that I should get into politics and I and I'll be totally transparent. I was a kid growing up like I could hear what they're saying on CNN, but I'm like, I don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized that, like, I love to help people. And, and helping people is also a part of politics, right? And like seeing better for communities. So while, while one day maybe I make it into politics and not, I, I feel like you don't need to be in politics to really make change. And I get to make change every single day. So when like people say pinky coal, they're not saying pinky coal of slutty vegan anymore. They are saying pinky coal philanthropist entrepreneur like like there are different titles to describe me and that feels good because I'm bigger than just a restaurant tour I re I'm really like community driven and rooted in that and that's what feels good to me so I like to consider myself a politician already I, I just, think I just I, got naturally voted in <laughs> I think you are and and I'm just saying I this is me volunteering for if you do actually run for office I will knock on doors for you oh I appreciate that thank you I'm gonna hold you to that cat 
please, please. I've, I've, I've done it before. Gone, gone knocking on doors for people I believe in because like nothing is more political than food uh, to me. And people try to say like, you know, Oh, stick to food or whatever. I'm like, I am sticking to food. This is politics. (laughs) Right. So I have have a few questions that I ask every guest and I cannot wait for your answers. (laughs) For, for these. Um, so, yes. you know, I hear you talking about taking care of the community, taking care of your family and stuff. What is the selfish thing that you want for Pinky? Like, what is, is this, this thing where like, and, and I believe in saying things out loud. So somebody hearing it can think, oh, I can help her with that. What is a self? I don't know how to say no. Mm. Um, I have this guilty conscience on me and I don't know what it is. If I see somebody homeless on the side of the road, like I, if I got, I would literally give them all my money. Like I'm, I'm that person because I always feel like that's God talking to me. And if I don't help that person, then like God gave me all of this, all, all these blessings and like he or she, right. Wants to see if I'm going to give it back. And if I don't, then like, why didn't you do that? And I think that I, that is the piece in total transparency that I probably will want help with. Um, because I also know that as much as I like to help people that you can't help everybody, you can only do the best that you can. Um, so yeah, so, so that is kind of like, it's a blessing, but it can also be a curse sometimes because like I battle with myself and maybe it's kind of like, um, you know what they call it? They call it, um, what is it like us? So not survivor's remorse, but like, Mm. What, I know it. I know what you're There's like survivor's guilt kind of thing. Or, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm doing so well and I'm making all this money and, and, and maybe that that's a part of the reason why, like I, I do so much for people because I, I just don't believe that it's mine to keep. I, I believe that you should help people. And I, and I, it really brings me joy to help people. Um, but obviously, you know, people can take advantage of that. So can't help me with that. <laughs> I, I, I am here to remind you about boundaries are good. Yeah. I, I, you know what, I, I sort of have a squad around me who we all take care of each other. And we say like, oh, hey, maybe you should say no to that. Hey, maybe you should watch out for, for whatever. And we all, you know, we all take care of each other. There's a necklace I think you actually need. Uh, and I'll, I can send you the link. I can send your PR people the link to it. And it says no on it. And, oh, even, if you, and even if you don't wear it, you can have it in your pocket and just remind you that you're allowed to say that. And it's a good, it's a good boundary. It's a good barrier to have. I love it. To be able to that's, see that. That's a great yeah. one. This, yeah. This is a good therapy thing. <laughs> oh, my God. I got a few more <laughs> questions. Uh, have you ever, do you, first of all, do you, well, you've had restaurants and stuff, so I don't know about the setup of your current restaurant. Have you ever cried in the walk-in? Um, I cry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Crying is, crying is the best. Yes, crying is the best, but my crying is, is and, and more more happy tears than sad tears. Um, I cry because I can't believe that this is my life. Yeah. Um, and I'm reminded of it when people are asking me like, well, how do you feel? I'm like, I feel regular, but then like it resonates and I'm just like, damn, I'm like, how do I feel? I, I feel good because like, I remember not too long ago, I, I called Sally May and, and, and my, my, my student loan was about like 200 something thousand dollars. And I was able to just call and just pay it off. Oh, and, congratulations. And that, was the, that is, that is, so, I'm like tearing up. That is massive. <laughs> no, it's like that, that, oh my gosh, it feels better than sex. I don't know if I can say that on the phone, but literally, you can, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was literally the best feeling in the world. And and my mother was a co-signer, so I had to pay my way through college. I didn't get any scholarships or anything like that. So to be able to pay it off, I never thought that I would be able to do that. So things like that make me cry, right? It's like I'm able to show my mother, who still has life and breath in her body, that something that came out of her womb has made it, right? And, like, life doesn't have to be a struggle anymore. Like, that makes me cry. Um, to know that, like, I've been able to, like, build something where people aren't looking at me as a celebrity but more of an icon and like kids are doing black history projects about me and like school projects I'm like that makes me cry and you know it's just like it's emotional even just thinking about it because I'm just pinky from around the way you know I just love that so much and I, I just I remember when I paid off my stu- I got drunk and paid off the last of my student loan <laughs> and just sat there and bawled and it's such an emotional moment oh I'm so proud of you for doing that so incredible so, so what is your comfort food 
Um, spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Any particular way? Um, so I like to call it scatty. My boyfriend <laughs> makes some spaghetti. It's so good. And I call him, like, I want some scatty. Um, <laughs> but I really love spaghetti. I don't know why. Um, and I like to use the Beyond Meat crumbles with my spaghetti. Oh. Uh, but spaghetti is like my go-to. Like if I'm hungry, I'll make some spaghetti. But I also, I'm, I'm weird. I also like, like I could just eat a bowl of spinach. Like saute some spinach and just eat it. Um, and I love spicy food. Like I love spicy mm. food. Yes. Those are my go-tos. I love it. Spinach. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You are not like other people, Pinky Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? The last meal that made me emotional. Oh. Um, well, I don't eat sweets. Um, and I, like cakes and muffins, I don't eat that. But food that made me emotional. That's a tough one. I don't, I don't. Food does. Well, f- food is emotion. Wait, let's talk about it. Um, food that made me emotional. Um, cereal. I don't even eat cereal and I just ate cereal the other day like what? what 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 was it what kind of cereal was it it was like some kashi cereal some some vegan cereal and I'm like well wh- why am I craving cereal um and it wasn't so much emotional but it was just like funny because like I don't usually eat that way I, I'm just not a cereal I didn't grow up eating cereal so yeah. that's just not a thing for me but yeah I would say cereal it just made me like perplexed like why did I want cereal your body knows sometimes your body knows things yeah <laughs> so what is the meal that you cannot wait to get back to? Because COVID has restricted so many things. What is the meal that's been on your mind that you can't um, wait to go back? Well, I love Indian food. Oh, yeah. So a vegan China masala um, with the rice. Oh, my goodness. Like, that is the thing that I'm thinking about all the time. Like, yeah, I need that. <laughs> Do you want to shout out a particular place? Um, oh, there's so many. My assistant just gives me amazing vegan food all the time. <laughs> Indian food. But like, I love, when I say I love Indian food, I love Indian food. Oh I my gosh. love it. So that's the thing. I want to be able to eat as much Indian food as I can without like all the COVID attached to it. Oh, I want that for you. And just a couple more questions. This next one, I have been dying to ask you this because I know what kind of like celebrity clientele you have and all this stuff. What living musician would you want to cook for and what would you make for them? Oh, what living musician would I want to cook for? Hmm. I, you know what? I want, I want to have, I, I want to cook for Jay-Z. And, you- and I and I want to cook for Jay Z, not even really, so he could taste my food, so I can like ingest some of his brain food, right? Like, I want to know how he got to where he got to. Like, I'm that type of person. Like, when I see successful people, I want to know like the specific steps that you took. Like, what did you eliminate? What did you stop doing? What did you start doing? And and I would do that over a meal. Um, and he's also obviously been in the media a lot for like selling his businesses and doing all that stuff. And I feel like I'm on that same trajectory. So I just want to breathe the same air that he breathes for like five minutes. And obviously I ain't going to be mad if Beyonce is there either, but <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely want to sit with Jay-Z. Can I tell you, a friend of mine did get to serve them at her restaurant <laughs> while Beyonce was pregnant. So she was just like, she made one of everything. <laughs> and, oh, that's amazing. and she has gotten to cook for them. They like the food so much. She has gotten to cook for them since and said they're good eaters. Oh, wow. So, wow, that's dope. <laughs> yeah. So Jay-Z, if for some reason you're listening to the if this Food and Wine podcast. <laughs> <laughs> go I'm ahead. sure that I will meet him one day soon. So I I'm have, looking I forward have, to that. I have zero doubt. Okay, yeah. final question. You have, let's say you have five uninterrupted minutes for self-care everything is taken care of your fantastic assistant kai is like got she's got it she's got it Every, everybody's tended to you got five minutes to just take care of yourself what do you do i'm doing two things i'm oh, sorry, sorry it was kia not kai i'm sorry i totally messed that up <laughs> um i am getting a massage because i love massages mm-hmm. massages really like just put me in a very safe space and I'm actually sleeping while I'm getting that massage. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and listen again, it's so funny because throughout the day I take my little cat naps. So if I sit down too long, I'm falling asleep. 
So in the moments where I get time to just like disconnect from everybody, I'm taking a nap. That's like my favorite pastime. Um, but sleeping and getting a massage, I would definitely do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am so grateful to you. And sorry to Kia for messing up her name right there. Oh, no but but uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I just, you are an absolute light to so many people and I know you're so busy. So I'm super grateful for giving us this much of, of your time. And if people want to find you on social, how can they do that? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me. This was probably one of the best podcasts podcast that I've done. So oh, yay. it's been a pleasure. Um, if you want to find me, you can go to all of our social media handles, Slutty Vegan ATL. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can go to our website, www.sluttyveganatl.com. Or if you just want to follow me, you can go to my personal page. It's Pinky907. Again, Slutty Vegan ATL, sluttyveganatl.com. Um, or you can follow my uh, philanthropic page, Pinky Gives Back, on social media or go to our website, um, pinkygivesback.com. But whatever it is, come see us in Atlanta. We have three locations. We're continuing to grow. And for the people who are listening to this, I'm so grateful for the outpouring of support since 2018 in this thing I call my baby, Slutty Vegan. And again, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much to my guest today, Pinky Cole. I am just, my battery is all fired up <laughs> listening to her talk. She just really, truly gives off this incredible energy and makes you feel like you could do absolutely anything. And all the links to her various endeavors are in the show notes. Um, please go check out the Pinky Cole Foundation. It's just really incredible work. And I cannot wait to see... Oh gosh, we can look a year, two, three, four, ten, twenty down the road, and there are going to be restaurants out there and people out there who credit their success to future president Pinky Cole. So, the day I am recording this, uh, it's it's a little bit of a funny day. It is one year since the uh, last time that I was actually in the food and wine offices and miss my colleagues so fiercely and you know I get to see them on screen it's not quite the same thing but I am grateful for them constantly especially folks like our producer Antara Sinha who just puts this together every week and does an incredible job of it and is so thoughtful with her her feedback and her arranging and just everything she does thank you so much for that and thank you to the amazing Sarah Crowder who gets together the images for the webpage part of this Sarah could not do this without you I have actually gotten to run into Sarah in the neighborhood a couple of times fully masked and it's always such a delight like to see you know half of her face and uh, you know we all come together in a whole bunch of things including Food and Wine Pro which is the section of Food and Wine that is dedicated to the people behind the glorious food that we all eat, whether it is the chefs, the restaurateurs, the farmers, the bartenders, the, the grocery store workers, all those folks who actually get us fed Food and Wine Pro is a celebration of you and also uh, a lot of you know technical stuff behind the scenes about how to actually apply for those funds that are hopefully, by the time you listen to this, will starting to be come through from all from the various bills that have passed and uh, we've got links to how you can apply for those. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long struggle for so many people. And we just want to be of use to this community who we absolutely love. And you can take part in all of this by going to foodandwine.com slash fwpro. And while you are there, please sign up for the Food and Wine Pro newsletter. It comes to your inbox mostly on Fridays, occasionally Saturdays if we have something late breaking or just can't get our stuff together. It happens. It'll show up. And it is written by our editor-in-chief, Hunter Lewis, who always shares his insight, his words of wisdom, his, his notes from his kitchen and, you know, someday when he can travel again, all of, of that, and just really talking about the people in the industry who he is speaking with and seeing. And uh, you can always find a link to the latest podcast in there. My colleague, Osette Babur, puts together some really, uh, all, all the news you need to know for the week. It's one-stop shopping. It's all these stories that we have on the food and wine site and what else is happening in the world as well. 
it'll just show up in your inbox and you can get clicking. And again, if you go to foodandwine.com fwpro, you can sign up for that and we would greatly appreciate it. And if you like this podcast, which is part of Food and Wine Pro, I would be so thrilled if you would leave stars and reviews and all of that stuff and share it with uh, people who you think would enjoy listening to it as well. It helps us pop up in those algorithms that no one understands but matter so much to our daily lives. Uh, and please also let us know who you want to hear from, what kind of stories you want told. I'm pretty easy to find. I am cat.kinsman at foodandwine.com. I'm also endlessly on Twitter. I should probably do less of that, but you know, we do what we do. At uh, My Twitter handle is Kitten with a Whip, and you can please just let me know who you want to hear from um, and what you want to hear talked about. And another really vital member of our team, I mean, everybody's vital, come on. Uh, but in particular, you will find her words of wisdom in that newsletter that I talked about. Her name is Kelsey Youngman, and she is on our food team, and she is also a certified meditation instructor. We always have her most recent mantra that she shares at our team meeting from every week to give you the energy to go into the day and the week and your life with. And I'm gonna hand it over to her and I just want you to, until the next time we talk, take care of yourselves. Now over to Kelsey. Hello, this is Kelsey, the Associate Food Editor, and I'm here to offer a little mantra for the week. Label maker. We often see and use labeling as a shortcut, perhaps in a less than positive or productive way. But this week, I want to offer gentle labeling as a tool in meditation, we can use labels to keep the flow of thoughts moving without latching onto particularly sticky ones and getting caught up in them without being able to move on. Anxious, recurring thoughts about the meeting in 13 minutes, a label, anxious thoughts. Daydreaming about a very long and very internet-free vacation, daydreams. It doesn't make the thoughts go away or stop, it just helps you create a little bit of space, see them for what they are, and keep going. So bust out that label maker this week and see what space you can create. Have a beautiful week.